Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 65, Making the Most of Limited Time. Many students and many teachers feel like they never have enough time to get things done. Part of the problem is we don't have practice taking time with what we need to do, but part of it is also that we give ourselves too much time at one sitting instead of not enough to get something done. And this can actually stress us out just as much. This episode builds on a couple of our earlier concepts, breaking a big task down into manageable pieces and the 10 minute rule. Now, students, if we say, I will study for three hours, that seems like an eternity and we won't do much studying. We'll do a lot of stressing, but we probably won't do much studying. But if we say, I will study this subject, or work on this piece of this assignment for 45 minutes. That puts a firm limit on how much time we're gonna spend. And that means we're more likely to want to make the most of the time we're giving ourselves. Paradoxically, setting a limit on how much time you get to spend will often make you more productive because you'll wanna make the most of the time that you've allowed for that task. Now, for example, when I was an undergrad, many, many years ago now, I looked at every paper as something I had to write the night before, which meant I would say, I am going to spend eight or nine hours on Friday doing nothing but writing this paper because it's due Saturday morning. That's not healthy, it's not productive. For one thing, it didn't focus my work. Instead, I was trying to do research and outlining and writing and proofreading, and I was trying to do them all at the same time. These are tasks that need to be done separately and they need to be done in sequence. For another, the final paper would be garbage because it hadn't had any time to sit and rest away from me for 72 hours, which is another technique we recommend when you're writing. And so I'd essentially turn in first drafts with multiple mistakes because I was just too close to what I'd just written to see the run on sentences or see the misplaced metaphors. And for yet another thing, eight hours of staring at the screen really not good for the eyes, especially back in the late you know, 2000s. And so I would get massive wanging migraines for days after one of these writing marathons. None of this increased my productivity. All it did was increase my stress levels. And for me, I'm a little bit of a momentum worker. And by that, I mean, I'll say something like, I want to write 250 words in the next hour, or I want to write three paragraphs and even if i haven't reached that word count yet or i've only written one and a half paragraphs maybe i'm able to keep going because i've established some momentum and i can ride that momentum as long as i need to or as long as that momentum lasts and often even if i've said i'm going to write those 300 words or those 250 words in 45 minutes i'll write maybe 600 words in about an hour and a half or in two hours. And Adam mentioned taking a break for 72 hours and having people proofread. I'm right now working on a draft of a book 
And there are times I'll write a draft of a chapter. I'm convinced this is exactly what I want the chapter to say. But there's no way I'm going to turn that right away into a publisher or to an editor. I need to take a couple days and often, even without outside feedback, just waiting that little bit of time and rereading a chapter and I go, oh, the verb tenses really don't fit here. I think I'm repeating one idea in back-to-back -back paragraphs so I can cut that down. This idea is a little out of place. And that's something that I have to allow myself time for. If I try and proofread while I'm writing, it's not going to be a good pro uh, product, and that means it's not going to be a very good use of my time. And so that means that I've got to budget shorter amounts of time more frequently to get through each task one by one. For me now, as a teacher, it's no longer writing papers to turn in. It's course prepping. It's writing lectures. And when I course prep these days, I chop my time up very carefully and very deliberately. I allow myself one hour to make a list of terms and concepts for a particular chapter in the textbook. I may make it from three or four different textbooks, but it's one hour. I get one hour to make that list. Then I give myself maybe two one-hour sessions to write the lecture, and I don't allow myself to go beyond that because I know me. I write – I like to write lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And so if I don't give myself more than an hour twice, then the chance that I'm going to bloat the lecture drops. I give myself a half hour to maybe 45 minutes to record that lecture. And I give myself one more 45 minute or so session to go through it and edit out the ums, the errs, the ahs, the coughs, the sneezes. And I am very strict with myself about how much time I will give on any given item in a course prep. And this means, among other things, it forces me to embrace the concept of good enough, which as a recovering perfectionist, that's still pretty hard. Have students found errors or ums or coughs in my lectures? Have they found mistakes in the handouts I've turned in? Sure, of course. And I will offer some leeway in the course when they bring those to my attention. So if a student has sent me an email saying, you know, Dr. Sanford, in the juvenile delinquency lecture, you cough at minutes 351. Uh, I'll give them a little bit of leeway when I you know, am grading their paper and they have a grammar problem. I might give some wiggle room on that, or I might not if they didn't alert me. Because that way, I also show my students it's okay not to be perfect. For me, as far as that lack of perfectionism goes, I'll kind of record my lectures in one sitting unless I've really badly messed up in the beginning. And I figure I wouldn't be perfect most of the time in front of students, and I don't expect them to think that I'm perfect. And so I'm okay with them seeing that mistake. There are times where I'm lecturing with students or we're meeting live on Zoom and I'll stumble over my phrasing or I'll cough or an idea just won't quite click. And you know what? That's teaching. That happens sometimes. Teaching is essentially just improv. It's just learning how to improv. I mean, you've got the ideas Absolutely. that you want to talk about when you're doing a live lecture, but occasionally you'll drop the ball. And unlike improv, usually you don't have an improv partner to bounce things off of. Your students are the improv partner, but often their only reaction is to stare at you and to wait for you to come up with more things to tell them. I have had to break my improv when I've suddenly you know, inhaled water while I was drinking my water. That's happened. I've had to hold my hand up while I choked myself to death trying to cough it all out. 
and my students are often like, are you dying, Dr. Sanford? No, I'm just dying of embarrassment. Don't mind me. And it takes me a minute to get my voice back, but we pick up and move on. So trying to be a perfect, you know, sound production engineer on your lectures, not worth the time, folks. It's just not worth the time. Your students need to know that you're not perfect too. And in an online environment, like we're all facing in the fall, it's actually harder for them to see that you're not perfect unless you make a point of allowing those human moments, like the cough, like the sneeze, to make it past your editing and get into the lecture that you give them. And as far as setting that 45 minute time limit goes, I work on a fantasy football podcast that I co-host with a few friends. Uh, I'd like to give them a shout out. So shout out to the Select Start podcast and Ace, Ian, and Edgar. And after Adam and I record this podcast, we're meeting and recording a session. And that means that I've got to do some prep work for that uh, session just the way I do for here. And that means that I know I'm going to need to get some water or some more coffee in my system. So that means that out of that two-hour window, I might really only have, say, 90 minutes to fully prep. And for those 90 minutes, I'm going to have to divide them into 30 or 40-minute segments for each team that I'm covering or for a group of players I need to focus on. And that might mean that I don't cover the same players or teams that Ian, Edgar, or Ace are covering, but it will mean that we're all bringing in our different efforts, our different insights, and we're all prepared, but we're differently prepared. And what that means is I have to be okay with not knowing everything about every player that we're covering on an episode. But I've got to make sure that I've used that time that I've allotted myself for this research to make sure that I've thoroughly prepared on the players that I do want to cover and do want to get into. And the reason I care about that is Ace, Ian, and Edgar are my friends. I respect their time. I respect their efforts. And I want to match the level of commitment for something that really we're all having fun with, but we all take seriously. So now we want to give some advice to students and teachers about how to use this idea of limit how much time you spend on any one task because it'll make you more productive. So students, we've taught you in previous episodes how to take your work and break it up into small pieces. So go back and look for our time management uh, series if you haven't heard that recently. So once you've broken up your work into those pieces, set a time limit on each of those pieces. Just like I said, I allow myself one hour to get all the terms and concepts that I'm going to be teaching about. And I allow myself two one-hour sessions to actually write the lecture, and that's all I get. Do the same thing with your work. Allow yourself one to two hours per piece of work, but never allow yourself more than an hour at a time. And we really recommend less, like maybe 45 minutes or so. Use the 10-minute rule to get yourself started, but also set an alarm and stop yourself at your preset time limit. Whatever you've done by that point, that has to be good enough. You'll find you get really, really productive when you only have 27 minutes left to finish that outline. The way teachers can use this is that when you're faced with a task that takes several hours, set a time limit of how much you're going to do at any given time. And that means prepping, grading, responding to emails. This will hopefully save both your sanity and your eyes. Mm -hmm. And be open with your students. Talk to them about how setting a time limit for how long it takes you to, to do your work can help you with your productivity because students don't know how much they can actually get done in 45 minutes. 
show them that it's possible to get a lot done in just a short amount of time. And if you can, use some of your class time to test out how much students can get done in 20 minutes if you give them a writing assignment. Then cover the assignments during the second part of your class and discover how different students use that time. How many students tried to outline things? How many students just dove into the writing right away? How many waited until the last second and didn't write a whole lot? So that's what we have for you for episode 65. This is a fairly short episode. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're also hosted on Blueberry.com, and we'd really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 66, when Adam and I talk about how looking at future you can help you figure out problems you're facing today. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. We look forward to seeing you next week.